Hi, welcome back to Excited, episode 204. My name is Arvin. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPanPuppets.com. It's acting the Fooleman. Hi, everybody. How you doing, Fooleman? Uh, I've been better and I've been worse. Sunrise, yep. sunset. Yeah. This is it. This is... Yep, the finale. <laughs> this is the last episode of Back to Excited. Um, it's been a long journey getting to this point. We're coming up on six years of the podcast. We are, as you just heard... Over 200 episodes, which was a cool milestone for us to reach. And we are in our sadly familiar position of having to autopsy a Leafs playoff loss and talk about what they do now. Um, kind of a recurring theme on this podcast. Actually, the only thing that has been consistent through all years of our podcast. We've always done this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, it's not after the first round. Mm -hmm. So that's something different, and that is an improvement. And, you know, if the Leafs had lost in the first round, it would be unequivocally major surgery time. And if the Leafs had made it to the third round, or even lost in Game 7 of the second round, we would probably say they're going to keep the core and it's going to be fine. And it was quintessentially Leafs to give us this kind of disappointing, murky middle result, where mm -hmm. they're probably going to do something... But it's not unambiguous um, the way that it was. Now you can say, like, look, that probably suggests that it's kind of a dubious basis for decision-making. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, now it's kind of all up in the air. We suspect changes are coming. They could go a lot of ways. Pretty much, yeah. So it's, I mean, so when we, the last time we, we had recorded, uh, Florida was up one nothing, and then one game two to go up 2 nothing. Um, in each of the first two games, I think the Leafs played like kind of all right. We said at the time that the Leafs' advantages over Florida were two things. Um, save percentage and uh, special teams. Mm -hmm. Now, as it, as it turned out in this series, special teams was kind of a non-factor. It was played a lot at even strength. Uh, I'm not offering a value judgment on whether those were good calls or bad calls or whether that was like a good thing. But like, yeah, it was just more played at even strength. That helped Florida. And then Sergei Bobrovsky turned back the clock and played a wonderful series. Yes. So yeah. the two Leafs advantages that we could identify heading into the series were essentially neutralized or, 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 or worse. And as as we said, like, you know, those are those are two things that feel very fleeting to um, to rely on. And then it turned into a pretty even series where, uh, you know, Florida, Florida won a lot of close games. And the Leafs won a close game, too. Uh, game three was really the inexcusable effort. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we're, we're once again in a position of saying, okay, well, the Leafs did badly and lost. And you could squint and see how things maybe could have been different. Mm -hmm. uh, but they weren't. Yeah, and so that's one of the things. So first of all, the Bobrovsky thing. Um, most years, the Leafs have seemed to go up against a goalie who played much better than he had been doing or who found the best version of himself. Let's put it that way. You know, so in some cases with Carey Price, there was precedent for him doing that, and Bobrovsky has had some phenomenal stretches in his career. Um, he also has a, multiple giant killings on his resume now as a playoff starter. Um... And yet at this point, I don't blame you for being skeptical that it was all him. You know, I understand why you would wonder 
why couldn't the Leafs seem to beat this guy? You do have to note that the Leafs did do quite well against Andre Vasilevsky in round one. Not coincidentally, they won the series. So they're not always getting goalied, but they've gotten goalied enough times that you wonder if they're inviting it somehow. Um, Austin Matthews' wrist, I don't think, was ever 100%. No, but like, it's been seven years of his wrist not being... Like, yeah. NHL hockey's really hard. Not, the cra- one of the craziest things about Ovechkin is not just his peak, which has been phenomenal, but that he has stayed good and healthy for so long because he is just a tank of a human being. Yeah. And it's not like a character flaw of Austin Matthews if he's not the same way, if he's not as durable. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, some people are and some people aren't. I think people have very limited control over that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like, if, if he's perennially kind of 85% of what some platonic ideal of peak Matthews, then that's, that's just the player he is. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of discussion, more of it than maybe I would have expected, about whether this core has sufficient grit or will or clutchness or anything like that. And I think that's demonstrably like a pretty iffy way to look at it. Mm-hmm. First of all, they beat the Lightning. Now you can say, well, that was kind of lucky. And they certainly, you know, they won a bunch of coin flip games. Um, the last few years, they lost a bunch of coin flip games. You know, I don't know that one reflects too much more on them than the other. But what you can say is, this team, for all its talent and its salaries and its big name recognition, never got to a level where a few things going wrong couldn't undermine it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't be totally luck-proof, but you can be more or less luck-proof. And... Looking back, you know, at six years of doing this podcast, I find myself wondering, were we always a bit higher on this team than maybe we should have been? Um, I say us on the podcast and also just Leaf fans in general. And it was enough that some bad luck and some bad calls. And look, you know, the disallowed goal in game five. I thought that was very unfortunate. I think that was a goal. Yeah, well, I think it's one of those situations where, like, it's a goal, but the way it was called and the rules make it such that it was the correct application of them to call it a non-goal. You can see how they got there. Yeah. And, like, it really sucks. And you could say, you know, damn, if we'd gotten a little bit luckier, maybe that goes the other way. But it's sort of a good summation to note that that was happening in Game 5. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you weren't putting yourself in a position where you could survive that kind of thing going against you. Well, and we, we saw the Leafs got a little lucky against Tampa. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's... That, that was a series where it was more even than a, even a six-game series win for the Leafs would indicate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this was more even than a five-game win for Panther, the Panthers indicates. Um, you know, I don't think the Leafs played that badly, but they weren't better enough than Florida to establish themselves in a major way. Now, that's a hard thing to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. You know? Yeah, I, I think to the extent that there's, like, really valid criticism how the Leafs have been built over the past few years, it's that the Leafs have never built a team that could just straight-up dummy another good team in a playoff series. We've never mm-hmm. seen that. No. Right? We, we've always seen it be, like, close. Yeah, the Leafs did some things well. Their opponents did some things well. And, you know... 
that's how it is. And I, I, as you said, that's a very hard thing to be. You know, it's very hard to take an above-average NHL team and then dominate them. Yeah, absolutely. But and it's not—it's not impossible, no. right? We've seen other teams do it. I think Carolina currently is a is a good example. New Jersey is a very good team, mm-hmm. and there were stretches in that series where Carolina really took it to them. Yeah, and you know, if you want to make a case for the old build from the net out argument, or particularly build from your defense first. Carolina looks like a good example. They're down several key forwards, and it doesn't seem to have even slowed them down very much at the moment. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they do in round three, but I think they're the favorites. Um, and then who knows? So, yeah, uh, it's tough. You know, we set the bar at the semi-dynasties of the Lightning, of the Pittsburgh Penguins, of the Chicago Blackhawks. And... The Leafs clearly never reached that level. And it's really hard to reach that level. You know, Chicago, we've talked about before, had a wealth of very good players in 2010 that they could spin off. Um, And then they later added uh, a couple of great players in Panarin and uh, and a couple other guys. Um, The Penguins are obviously built around two probably top 10 players of all time, depending on where you want to put Malkin. Um... The Tampa Bay Lightning had multiple absolutely obscene draft hits outside the first round in Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Anthony Cirelli. That's a very tough thing to replicate. And I find myself wondering at this point with the Leafs, if it's just like you needed something else key to go right or you needed to not make any mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I think this is, that's a valid way of looking at things like, the fact that the Leafs never really hit on a draft pick post Austin Matthews, mm. um, and in in terms of creating like a extreme value on an ELC, hurt mm-hmm. them, right? Hurt them in in building a team that was clearly one of like not sorry clearly like the best in the NHL, mm-hmm. right? If Nick Robertson hits his ninety fifth percentile outcome instead of uh, what he's hit so far, you know. Yeah, if he's like a 30-goal scorer on an ELC, then yeah, that Leafs suddenly look way better. If, you know, if Rodion Amirov develops really well and, of course, doesn't have his, his cancer diagnosis and, um, yeah, it, it becomes a key part of this of this team. Like, the way Seth Jarvis is a key part of Carolina, mm-hmm. right? Like, th- those were things that could have happened and didn't. And it's like, no one's fault in particular. I certainly don't want to seem, I don't want to come off as if I'm blaming, like, Robertson or Amirov for not living up to expectations, those are extreme results, mm-hmm. right? But it's helpful if those things go well, if you're building like a, a really, you know, top-end team. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and the Leafs kind of haven't gotten there. And they've made some mistakes along the way. Like, uh, you, to use Carolina as an example, and I, I should say, I, I don't always love watching the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, no, I don't do think I. <laughs> I don't think they're a particularly exciting team to watch, um, but that doesn't really matter if you were a fan of theirs because when you were a fan, the exciting team to watch is very secondary to the team that wins, mm-hmm. and the teams that win become exciting to watch by proxy for their fans, and that's really what matters. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they've they've just made a lot of consistently pretty good decisions and have built a really good team uh, around it. And I'm sure part of that is also, you know, 
good decisions in terms of their their coaching staff. Um, it's good decisions in terms of you know knowing who who on their team is like more relatively more expendable and who are their team they should prioritize. It's benefited in some ways by the fact that you know if you have players who are talented defensively, they probably command less value than they're worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've assessed them properly, and Carolina has generally assessed them properly. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes down to it, the Leafs have done a pretty admirable job filling out around the core players, but the core players are not quite worth their money, especially with how they've played in the playoffs, and that has just hurt the ceiling of this team in some sense. Or, or it's put them in the position where they are clearly quite good, clearly one of the best teams in the league in the regular season, but as as you said, aren't totally able to inure themselves to variance in the playoffs. And again, that is a very high bar, right? Mm. Carolina, it's not like Carolina's won anything at no. this point. They've, they made it far. Um, mm. They made it to the conference finals, I think. This is the second time they're there. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Leafs just haven't been able to put up margins on great teams in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and thus have always sort of been at the whims of what we ascribe to as puck luck. Yeah, like I think if there's one thing that I want to sort of leave as a parting comment on the Leafs is that people view it as this binary. Like Mitch Marner is either clutch or he's not clutch. And if he is clutch, then there's no problem. And if he's not clutch, then you have to dispose of him to build a viable contender. Neither of those things is true in an absolute sense. What I think the truth is is that Mitch Marner is a very good player who wants this with every inch of his body, like he's desperate to win and contend. I think that's really obvious. And he will put up strong performances. Like look at game four against the Panthers. He played really well. And he was a difference maker in that win in the playoffs in an elimination game. I don't think you can disregard that. But you can also say he may be a guy who struggles a little bit when the going gets very physical and he can't necessarily force the play to the center of the ice. Um, and his salary, which is pushing $11 million, is probably 2 or $3 million too much. And that leads to another player being missing down the roster. And that shaves your margin. And it doesn't mean that he's bad. It just means that we find ourselves talking about goaltending and luck and what if a lot with the Leafs because they can't survive too much goaltending and luck and what if um, by the standards of the very best teams. Mm-hmm. And we also don't want to fall into the trap where like, we treat all goaltending as, as luck. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky's contract has been a punchline for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did make $10.5 million, and he does make $10.5 million for a reason. Mm. Right, he has that that skill, and he, he he showed it here. And also, we pay eleven million dollars to Mitch Marner, and you know, a lot of money to Austin Matthews, and a lot of money to John Tavares, in theory, because they do the most valuable thing in hockey, which is make you know drive goals, basically. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that in the second round series. Now, it's worth noting that Matthews, in particular, uh, and and Marner as well, like were driving forces in the Leafs winning. In round one, 
even if the Leafs shift by shift domination of Tampa wasn't there to the ho- to the degree that like you know would be our absolute hopes and dreams for this for for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they won that series in part because of moments created by their star players, and that's part of why star players are paid. We've seen this with William Nylander too. William Nylander's had some awful awful games, including in, in the first round. I think game four actually. Um, Game four, he was terrible. He ended up with three assists. He had three <laughs> moments that worked out well. And those were vital in the Leafs win. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, the, that's something that star players can do. And we didn't get that from the star players to enough of an extent in the, in the second round. Now, it's worth noting, uh, the Leafs' depth was not good in the playoffs. Disappointingly... Not really, no. We, I, I was, you know, ready to marry Ryan O'Reilly very soon after him joining the Leafs. I, I don't know if he's injured or not. He, he struggled after, like, game two of the playoffs. Yeah, he, he was not have, driving play. He did not have a great series, especially against Florida. Yeah. Uh, against Tampa, I think he also didn't have a phenomenal series. But, like, again, there was moments. And uh, you can commit to, okay, Ryan O'Reilly can deliver moments. Mm-hmm. Right, um, but yeah, like the you know the Leafs depth certainly has not been was not was not particularly strong in this series, and that is, I guess, a problem uh, when your star players don't put the puck in the net, and that that that's ultimately what what it came down to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or don't put the puck in the net enough. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs finished on a streak of scoring two goals a game. Yeah. Well, that's going to make it tough, and there are a lot yeah, of factors. And I thought but... defensively, they did a reasonable job against the Panthers. Especially as it went on, I thought, for sure. Like, better towards the end of the series than the beginning. Yeah, and I mean, the Leafs' depth players actually do deserve credit for that. Sure. Right? Um, but yeah, we just did not put the puck in the net very much at all. Yeah, and, and you know, I again, this is what I find myself saying. In the analysis of, like, what do you do about the Leafs, a lot of it is on, okay, one of these pieces is bad, and we need to decide which one it is and get rid of him. And the answer is more complicated than that and less, you know, sort of emotionally satisfying, which is all of these pieces are good despite being imperfect, the picture they add up to is not quite good enough, probably. It's close. And it's still close enough that you can kind of talk yourself into it. But there are issues. I think, you know, the most obvious issue and the trade that you would make if circumstances were different is John Tavares. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's to be expected. He is declining with age. We said the moment we signed this contract... Look, the last few years he's going to be declining and he's not going to be worth $11 million. Well, here we are. Um, There are some people who are talking about getting him to trade. uh, Sorry, to waive his no-movement clause so that he can be traded. I don't see that as realistic. He has a young family. He came to Toronto. All things that we've talked about in the past. You can certainly ask him, I guess, 
but I would assume absent anything else, he says no, and that's it. If also, he says who's no, trading it. for him? That's the other thing. You're not trading him for, like, a benefit. Um, you probably have to attach an asset to move off his contract. A pretty big one, I would think. Yeah, I mean, $11 million is a lot. Like, look at the market for Eric Carlson, who's probably going to win the Norris Trophy. Now, Carlson has almost unbelievable term risk on that deal. But still, he was not movable at 9.5, which is how much the Sharks were purportedly willing to take him down to with retention. Uh, so, yeah, like, I don't know that that's a realistic option. And it's unfortunate, you know, especially you look back at the Montreal series, and if he doesn't get injured, the Leafs probably win that. And then they have a glide path to the finals. And again, you know, you can just say the Leafs weren't able to insulate themselves against that kind of luck. And that would have been very hard because Tavares is not replaceable. But, yeah. Right, but I mean, we brought up Carolina. Carolina's missing some big players as well. True. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all you can do is build a team that is so good that it's very difficult for luck to, to ruin you. And if there's a knock on Cal Dubas, it's that he hasn't been able to do that, as hard as it is. And I think basically his inability to do that has stemmed from... I guess th- there's a couple... This is one of those things where it, it's like that, those inkblot tests. Like, what you see is very determined by your priors. It's like, you know... Mm-hmm. What it was the Leafs now is exactly what I've been talking about for three years. Um, like, it's, yeah. it's easy to fall into that trap. Um, but, like, the the inability to do was to do so has been well he's been working with a pretty limited set of constraints mm-hmm. um in part because the top players are probably making just a little bit too much on aggregate mm-hmm. and i i think there has been we we've and this one i'm less sure of like i think there's very reasonable arguments that could go either way but the leafs have now fully transitioned into a team whose issue is they cannot score that well mm-hmm they're they're a genuinely pretty good defensive team, especially in the playoffs. Like this playoffs, the defense was really not the problem. The goaltending was really not the problem. The Leafs had you know sometimes iffy performances from Samsonov, but then you know their backup Joe Wall came in and performed wonderfully when called upon. As you said, the Leafs scored two goals in six straight games. That just doesn't really get it done. Yeah, and again, this isn't like a just in the playoffs thing either. We were saying this season, like look. The Leafs look pretty good defensively. The offense is not what we would hope. Or, or at least the offense is very dependent on the star players. And that's, exactly. that's sort of a, kind of a reasonable thing to do. Like, it's hard to get both. The, the people who get both are, like, Patrice Bergeron and, in theory, Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, those are the very best players in the league. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the difficult thing. Um, I think Dubis has generally done a quite good job. Obviously not a perfect job. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the, this Leafs team over the past few years has been a team that is, you know, both quite good and not quite good enough that we could have really expected, like, a cup run. Mm. Right, I, I think they have underperformed their their talent, and part of that is due to part of that is is due to not getting the bounces or or, or 
you know, the star players coming up just short when it matters or, or you know, goaltending suffering. But yeah, what that boils down to is the Leafs just haven't been quite good enough over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the fair outcome for the Leafs over the past few years would have been like one, uh, like one or two more series wins. Yeah. Right. So like maybe a, a, another second round exit. Maybe if we kind of got lucky and stacked him a, a conference finals exit. Uh, and yeah, if you get to that point, you, you can win the cup. Sure. Right. The Leafs could have won the cup this year. But it's just very, very hard to do so when you're, yeah, when, 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 when your top players don't do what, you know, we expect them to do and we need them to do. Yeah. And this is another one of those things. Like, the Leafs could survive a limited amount of misfortune, but not that much of it. They couldn't survive Austin Matthews turning into a merely very good player instead of an all-world one. Mm-hmm. They couldn't survive going cold for a long time. Yeah, well, um, and, and, and they survived some of that luck in the first round. Yeah. Right? Where, where they got, you know, a goalie outperformance. Where they got kind of timely goals. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they, they, like that, that was an example. Like, oh, yeah, they, they, you know, they were just good enough to, to win that series. And Tampa wasn't better enough than the Leafs to, uh, to be inured to, to luck. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of why the Leafs were doomed when they went down 3 nothing. You know, everyone focuses on that long shot chance and they say, okay, all we have to do is win four games against a team that we're probably better than. It's like, well, yeah, but all you need is one game where it goes against you just a bit and you're fucked. And that's what happened in game five. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, so... Now we have to get to the question of, okay, what do you do about this? If you think that this team, as currently constituted, is kind of mired in the good but not great tier. We've already talked about Tavares probably staying. I mean, I, I, th- I kind of think that. Like, this team is, is a very good team, probably a top-five team in the league. Nonetheless has not demonstrated, you know, the ability to be a top-two team in the league. Um, and certainly has not demonstrated the ability to, like, really outplay a team in the playoffs. Yeah. And yet, what are the options? Let me start it, by saying something that no one is going to like. Mm-hmm. There is an entirely reasonable argument that the smartest thing the Leafs can do is keep running this back and hope they get lucky on a draft tip. And that they get the next Braden point. Or that Matthew Nyes is Tom Wilson. Or yeah, whatever. Like, and by the way, like there, there, there is a path... And I don't know how, how likely it is, because you know, I've seen Matthew and I for like 10 games at this point. Yeah. And I, I like him a lot. Um, but like, yeah, there's a path where like Matthew and I becomes like a, a 30-goal rough-and-tough winger, mm-hmm. who is the perfect complement to Austin Matthews. And you know, the pairing of them just d- makes any line 65% expected goals and 65% goals. Mm-hmm. That's not super likely. But it's a path. Yeah. Right? And unfortunately, this is the thing when we say it's not super likely. It wasn't super likely that Nikita Kucherov would go from a second-round pick to a 128 points in a season first ballot Hall of Famer um, franchise player added to a team that already had three um, Hall of Fame players on it. You know, that's unfortunately where the bar is 
for the very, very best teams who can kind of clear the field. Um, but that's not the only way to win a cup. And the other way is to hang around with a lot of good players for a long time and hope that things coalesce for you in the short term as they did for St. Louis, where they got really good for a little period. Yeah. Or just be the Washington Capitals, where one day you do get all that luck running for you for one springtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it, it, it's not a... It's not the dumbest thing in the world if you want to say as a franchise, like, okay, our goal is to just always be around the fifth best team in the league. We can sustainably do that. And one year we'll get, we'll, everything's will, you know, go together. Yeah. There's no guarantee it happens. And if there is any sort of cool de- or like drop off, it's a real drop off for the star players um, of the Leafs in the, play- in the postseason, then that, that matters, mm-hmm. right? That, that hurts you even more because then you're not truly the fifth best team. You might be the eighth best team. Right. But then the question is, okay, let's say you say, I do not like hanging around until my ship comes in. I'm tired of it, and I don't even know if I believe that this team is actually good enough to do that. Okay, Which well, I also couldn't yeah. necessarily blame someone for, because, like, yeah, like, it's... The, 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 the stars on this team have not exactly covered themselves in glory. In the no. playoffs. Like, uh, and part of this is, I think people are ve- being very, very harsh on Matthews and Marner now. And I, I think that is very understandable and very fair. Their game three was tr- absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were basically the reasons we won in game uh, against Tampa. Yeah. Right? They, they did have a bad series, or at least a series where pucks did not go in. Um, how much of that you want to ascribe to their skill and versus variance is in the eye of the beholder i think some contribution goes to both right like if austin matthews is a league average shooter he is not nipping on mcdavid's heels or even particularly close yeah all right so if that's a thing like that you know that creates a problem but any, anyway sorry i took you on a, a, a took uh, took us on a sidetrack there uh continue your thought yeah no uh it's it's totally fine um if you find yourself looking at this team and saying okay I don't trust it. You start with Austin Matthews and you say, okay. If he asks for the biggest AAV in the NHL, which he's probably going to do on his next contract, assuming he wants to resign in Toronto, because if he says, no, I'm leaving for sure, then that decision is kind of made for you. And, and also, um, there is, like... Austin Matthews has a lot of negotiating power here. Um, the Leafs can only start talking extension with him July 1st, I believe. They can only sign one. They can talk to him. Okay, okay so yeah. they can talk to him. So, I mean, yeah. that, that, I mean that, that, okay, that, that mitigates my point somewhat. Um, but, like, if Matthews says, hey, I don't want to sign, like, something he could very easily do is communicate to the Leafs uh, that he doesn't want to sign after July 1st, at which point he has a no-move clause. Mm-hmm. And if you're Austin Matthews and you want to move on from the Leafs, it is exactly in your interest to do that. Why would you want to weaken your team, that your their new team, by making them trade for you? Mm-hmm. And right? Yeah, I mean, at most you can just say, okay, a lonely wave to go to, let's say, the Los Angeles Kings. Mm-hmm. And then what? I don't know. So the Leafs are in that tricky position where... You know, if you're really paranoid, you might find yourself saying, okay, we got to ship this guy out in June or else. Um, at the same time, if you trade Austin Matthews, 
there is a really good chance the Leafs do not have a player as good as him again for 30 years or for more. more. For more. Matthews is probably, he, he's the most talented Leaf of my lifetime. There's, no, there's like zero doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a rational thing as tempting as it is um, to let him walk in these circumstances because he's irreplaceable. And you can say frustrations, though we may have had with him, he's still really good. He's still 25 years old. He's going to be 26 in September. That is plenty of time throughout his next long-term contract, even if it's expensive, to try and build a team that hangs around and is competitive. So I think, to be honest, that's going to dictate. Like, if the Leafs can extend Matthews, I expect whoever it is to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the number is actually crucial in this. Yeah. Like, like you, absolutely, you absolutely cannot pay Matthews an, a truly just unconscionable, absurd amount and without any consequences. Like, he might be worth that in the sense of it's impossible to replace him. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, like, this season has created or made obvious some genuine issues with him. If he's actually just a league average shooter now, or even if he's a slightly better than average uh, shooter, a huge chunk of his value is, is cut off. He's still probably a top 10 player in the league or top 10 center in the league at the very least. Mm-hmm. But like Austin Matthews, the unicorn, like the Hall of Fame level player, the 60 goal scorer is based on him being the most, one of the most dangerous players in the offensive zone in the world who can score from literally anywhere. And combining mm-hmm. that with basically onside Kopitar's two-way game. That's yeah. the theory of, of peak Austin Matthews. It's a wonderful theory. Yeah, and we've we got to it. see it for a little yeah. while. Yeah, <laughs> and then the other thing, as we alluded to, like you know, Matthews seemingly has off-season wrist surgery every single year. Yeah, right. Like, and again, this is not a character judgment on him. Um, this is not something where it's like, oh, he's not tough enough or whatever. Like, NHL hockey's fucking brutal, especially for a star player. Yeah, right. It's really, really, really hard. Yeah, it, and it Matthews every year misses ten or so games to injury. The Leafs have been good enough to weather that without him. Mm-hmm. But like that matters, and if he's always going to be at something besides optimal health in the postseason, like you have to price that in. Yeah. Right. So like there there is there is a limit on what a quote unquote good deal for Austin Matthews is. Now, if Austin Matthews is motivated by this, uh, or if Austin Matthews is, is motivated to do so. He can absolutely, absolutely just say, fuck you, pay me. Yeah. Yes, there's these issues. I, I concede. I have not had an elite playoff series or an elite playoff run the way McDavid has had it, the way Dreisaitl has had it, the way McKinnon has had it, the way David Pasternak has had mm-hmm. I haven't done that. Yeah, I was a league effort shooter this year. And, you know, I'm only a heart candidate if I am well above league average as a shooter. Yeah, all these things that all these reasons you have for pause to just hang me a blank check are valid, but you cannot replace me, give me the blank check anyways. He could say that. Yeah. And I'm not sure the least best option is anything besides give him the blank check. Yeah, it's, it's very challenging, and it would be a very, very bold general manager who would have a viable offer for, to keep Austin Matthews in Toronto long term 
and would walk away for from it. Like even if it's like, yeah, it's $14 million a year, but it's that or I'm leaving. How many GMs would have the guts to say, you know what? No. Especially if ownership said, yeah, we'll pay him. You know, that's... And then what you have, you have to do at that point is you have to trade him. And as we said, he has a lot of power in that situation. Yeah. And so, especially if you're doing that, whatever the Leafs are doing, if they're replacing the GM, and again, this result, I don't think guarantees either that they will or that they won't. I think that that is an open question. Um, I hope they get to get him in place soon. Um, get the new GM in place soon, I should say. Um, all NHL GMs have been men, but that is a trend that ought to end at some point soon. Um, they ought to get the new GM in place to start negotiating and figuring out where they stand because this is going to materialize pretty quickly. Um, the Mitch Marner thing, again, you have to face a decision of can you do better having unloaded him than you do with him? I'm not saying you can't. I'm less confident with that, but I'm not saying it's easy either. Um, there are a lot of people who, again, who want to pick him out as the problem. And what I'm saying is his contract is too much and he's not perfect, but he's very good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think what this boils down to, like both like for, for Matthews most pressingly, but also for Marner is like the most important job that the new GM, who I believe is going to be Dubas, or sorry, who the GM, who I believe is still going to be Dubas. I don't think we're going to fire him. Um, the most, or, or re- fail to remove his contract. The most important thing for them to do is to convince these guys to take less money than they absolutely could uh, stronger arm the Leafs for. Yeah. That, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. That, that's the easiest way to, for, for the Leafs to, you know, both ma- maintain their status as like a top, a consistent top five-ish team and possibly break into that elite tier where they have a 120-point season. Yeah. And here's the, here's the thing is, if you work through that, like let's say, okay, you get Matthew signed to an extension that you can live with. You decide you're going to stick by Martyr. You recognize you can't trade Tavares. Now you get to William Nylander. Well, for one, Nylander is on a good contract. Mm-hmm. And warts and all was effective in the playoffs. He always kind of is. You know, he has flaws, but he produces pretty consistently. Um, you can easily get to an argument to say, okay, well, I've committed to this core. I can't replace Nylander for another year um, at his value. I'm trying to contend again. I might as well just run to free agency and let him walk. You know, no one seems to be happy with this, and I totally get why. But it's very easy to walk yourself back to kind of a run-it-back position Mm -hmm. with a series of pretty rational steps. Right. I also... Look, this pains me to say, I don't think I want William Nander's next contract. Yeah, you think he's going to be paid more for points than his real value? Yeah. 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 It's, it saddens me that we've come to this, you know, <laughs> after all of our time lauding him and celebrating him. Yeah, well, that's yeah. He, he's, he's deserved a big payday, mm-hmm. right? But he's just the type of, like, you know, not quite super high-end star, but, like, easily a first-liner, like, fringe star player mm-hmm. who, when you sign them at 27, 28 for seven years or eight years... Like, again, the back half of that deal is not going to be great. And he's shown 
more and more defensive weakness over the past couple years. Um, you know, it, there, there's, there's a reason to be like just hesitant about that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can put it this way. I think it, the chance that someone like William Nylander, whose biggest strength is his offensive talent and biggest weakness is his defensive frailty, the chance that that type of player at age 28, at, who's at a, at a star level, signs a, real, a deal that is really beneficial to the team is just not that high, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I mean, you look at Jonathan Huberdeau mm-hmm. signed that huge extension at 29, which hasn't even begun yet and already looks like an albatross. Now, he'll probably be better with Daryl Sutter gone, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um... There are a lot of moving factors there. And then maybe you come back around to, okay, I do want to move Nylander because I have to do something. And I'm hoping that I'm setting the core up for success. Yeah, well, if you say, I definitely want to move someone, I think it's impossible for that answer to not be Nylander. You're not getting good value on anyone else. Nylander's like the only guy. And I should also say, a huge chunk of this has to do with timing, by the way, because Nylander had a much better Florida series in terms of his shift-to-shift performance than he did in Tampa. Yeah. And he also scored in the last two games. He did. There is definitely some recency there. If, if, you, if you flip the order of Dean Andrews' performances, where he has, like, a game five at Tampa performance in, uh, in, against Florida, you know, people will view it differently. But that matters, and that matters if you're trying to trade him. Sure. And right. The only thing I will say is I have a very hard time gauging what Marner's trade value would be because he is really good. He's perceived as really good. Selkie finalist this year for what it's mm-hmm. worth. Huge point production. There would be interest. The question is how possible is it to trade an $11 million player in today's NHL? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's possible. It's just a question of what that leaves his value as. The other thing that arises when, when it comes to like trading on one of these players is like, so you trade them to create cap room. What do you do with this cap room now? Mm-hmm. You need to have a plan. When I say you, I don't mean like fans proposing this on cap friendly. I mean like if you're the Leafs GM, you need to have a plan for like, okay, we, we've traded Mitch Marner for some combination of like a, you know, a few players and some picks and whatever. We st- we have, we've created a lot of extra cap space. What do we do with this? Have you seen this year's free agent class? It's fucking dog shit. It's horrible. Like, Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane and Michael Bunting are your star forwards in this class. So three guys who are all varying degrees of old. Michael Bunting. Who, God bless him, but, like, I think he's gone. So it's like, I don't know. It's not like you can go shopping and you know, buy another John DeBaras at this point. That was one of the reasons we were so excited to sign him because free agents of his caliber are very rare, but you're not even seeing that kind of depth in the second tier of free agency this year. Um, and where you are seeing some decent free agents is goaltending, where the Leafs have rather more goals, goaltenders than they want, probably. I assume they're going to either LTI or Matt Murray or they're going to pay a pick to unload him. Yeah. but uh, And run Samson and Wall next year. Yeah. That seems like one of the easier decisions to make. I mean, I'm not saying it's shameless, but it seems pretty clear. Yeah. And the Leafs could do be something... 
could do something sort of creative. They, they, they have a lot of room if they want to absorb the last year of a remaining deal. Yeah. Right? Like, because basically they, they have kind of a season where, where things are a little bit nicer for them in terms of the cap hit and, and then it, it gets, it'll, it'll get worse later. So like if you want to look at people who are expiring in 24, 25, you know, you can maybe try and get someone in the last year of their deal there. But like, you look down the list, there's not a lot of people who would be actually like sort of traded and like kind of reasonable to, to acquire there. Yeah. Right. It's like Carolina's not trading Sebastian Ajo. You know, <laughs> Vancouver's not trading Elias Pedersen. Florida's not trading Sam Reinhart. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's tricky. It is very tricky. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they can't do it or that the GM shouldn't be expected to. You know, one of the things we've been saying this episode is that it's really hard. You know, maybe even not replicable to build a team of the caliber of Tampa without a lot of good luck. Look at what Steve Eisenman's been doing in Detroit. I don't even think he's really done a bad job at all. But, like, that team... What does that project to next season? Seven I mean, he's, done, he's done some bad things. That Sherratt. Yeah, um, he's, he's done a couple things that were really stupid. But, but it's a combination of he hasn't won a draft lottery, and it's hard. You, you know, you can be very good, but if you don't get those draft hits um, or, or some other way to capture value, I don't know. One of the reasons I'm so keen on Dubas is that I think the things that need to be done to like really elevate this team involve a ton of luck. And I'm not sure he's less likely to get that luck than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that after all this time, this is the conversation we're still having about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the hardest step is good to great, and they're still figuring out how to make it after all this time. And we're still waiting for that team that is insulated against the kind of bad luck that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So we should probably talk a bit about the defense. We've talked basically all about the forwards so far. Yeah. Um, boy, that was lots of weird things to process from that series. TJ Brody, who has been a godsend for his time in Toronto, probably not the best series against Florida. He picked the puck out of his net a lot. Yeah. Um, Morgan Riley had an outstanding playoffs. Uh, there's no denying it. I mean, for one, he put the puck in the net and more than he got credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like he was straight up very good and he formed a very good pairing with Luke Shen, which we yeah. were skeptical about. So very, very surprising to, to me and to both of us. And yeah, we'll definitely, we'll eat crow on, on Luke Shen as a playoff player there. Like he, he performed yeah. well. I don't know how, I don't know if I would bet on him doing it again, like in the future, but. Yeah, for this year it worked out for sure. Yeah. The temptation for the new GM is going to be to do it, but then you have to rejig your, your defense group. Justin Hall is presumably gone. Just Someone's going to pay him. Someone's going to pay him. Uh, Timothy Liljegren, you know, I I think I would go ahead and believe in Timothy Liljegren. I mean, I would. I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if the Leafs would, but like, I, I don't, they don't have a ton of other options. Uh, it's... But like the other I, option is to trade him, which yeah. seems, yeah. Was, while, while we're talking about like, things that could have gone better for the Leafs, like if one of Sandin or Lilligren developed into like a no doubt about it, like, oh, this guy is just a an ab- clearly unequivocally above average NHL defenseman who plays tough minutes and 
you know, succeeds in them. That, that, that was one of the other paths to, you know, the least jumping a tier or, or, or becoming like better enough that they could maybe be a nerd to a little bit more luck um, mm-hmm. or, or a little bit more of just the craziness of, of the playoffs. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's too bad. He's still a good player. He's still quite inexpensive for next year. I think you'd have a hard time replacing him for less, especially if you think that he can be a top four defender next season, which I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Giordano, God bless him. He's done pretty much all he can. He faded in the playoffs pretty considerably, and that's sad, but not a huge shock based on his age. He's got a year at 800 grand. Probably going to be more of a seventh defenseman this time around, assuming he doesn't retire. I assume um, he will retire after his contract expires. Yeah, after after 2024, like that said. So, yeah. Um, it's not clear what you do to clear personnel besides letting Justin Hall go. Um, if you want to bring back Luke Shen, you know, are you okay stacking even more competition there? Connor Timmons is also in the mix, and the Leafs did sign and do an extension, presumably with the extent of the intent of playing him. Mm-hmm. So that's something you got to consider. Um, and McCabe is obviously locked in for term. McCabe, I, I was impressed by, but he also did not have the easiest series against him. No, I mean, like he and Brody together, yeah. you know, just struggled at times. Or, or at least, like, you know, it, did, it didn't work out uh, incredibly well in terms of goals with them on the ice. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, and Eric Gustafson, I assume, is gone. I'm going to say, I said at the time that trade was weird to me. It remains weird to me now. He was fine when he played, but, I mean, he didn't really play much. Yeah, he was a seventh defenseman. And, you know, whatever, I guess. But I kind of rather would have, like, a third-round pick or whatever. Yeah, certainly now. Um, But whatever. Uh, It is what it is. The defense is is sort of weird and in flux. You know, we've, we've talked about Riley being the issue, and yet if he plays like that every playoff run, then... Yeah, I mean, I think he, he he genuinely did have a pretty bad regular season. I don't think he's worth his his deal still. Or, or at least, like, I think there are a bunch of better defensemen who make less than him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, in the playoffs, he, he, did, he did a good job. Yeah, and if, you know, you're fixated on psychological explanations that you need... Clutch, grit, intangibles, leadership, someone to be the heart and soul or anything like that. Riley checks all those boxes. There are some people who want to make him the captain and to, to remove the C from John Tavares, which I guess is their way of punishing John Tavares for getting old. I don't know. Um, I don't know that that achieves anything. But in terms of being a leader, sure, Riley is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a defense that comes back and looks pretty much the same. You know, like, we'll see. And if they do trade one of the core four um, forwards, it's very possible a defenseman is what they get back, and that changes the situation and provokes more moves. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to see them running back a lot of these same names. Um, yeah, Sheldon Keefe, I guess, is the big thing. And I think he's probably gone. The only reason I'm even in any doubt is that they might keep Kyle Dubas, and Kyle Dubas has been very loyal to him. But... Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think Dubas is going to stick around. You think so? Yeah, I mean, I think for 
the logistical reason that you brought up as well. Like, you know, there's just not a lot of time until you have to have a very important conversation with Austin Matthews. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to keep him. The only thing is, is that we've heard repeatedly that if Dubas goes to market, he will have another job pretty fast. Yes. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been sniffing around by all accounts, or at least there have been leaks to that effect. Um, if Toronto's ownership is uncertain and Pittsburgh's ownership is not uncertain, then I don't know that the Leafs are going to match the bid that the Penguins can make. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Again, I would keep them. But yeah, that, they, you know, that leaves the question of Keefe. Um, who I think is a decent coach. I find it sometimes hard to say who is out coaching who in a series. It often looks to me a lot like whoever got the better goaltending. It, I find it has a lot of correlation with goals scored. Yeah, it's funny how that works out. Um, that said, there is a very reasonable argument that sometimes coaches just have a shelf life. You know, you don't motivate the same way when you've been around and they've heard your voice forever. And the Leafs coming out pretty flat in Game 3 against the Panthers and probably sealing their own fate. If you want to read something in to that kind of performance, then the coach is an easy place to to start because it is his job to motivate them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if he is gone. So, yeah, um... I guess that's it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like, it's... It's very difficult to exactly see where... Um, where this team goes from here. There's, like... It's very easy to see how, like, almost nothing changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could talk yourself into this again. As mad as it might seem, you could talk yourself into this. Um... Yeah, I, I can't say that I know for sure. If I if you ask me to bet, I'll take an actual stand. I would say here's what happens the offseason. Duba stays, Keefe goes, Nylander gets traded, the Leafs open some cap space and redistribute to the bottom six forwards, Matt Murray gets flipped for a pick, Gustafson does not return, Jen, 50-50. Um, that would be sort of like a minimal offseason that I would see. I, I think it's going to be mostly that, but I don't think Nylander gets traded. I think they... I think they run it right back? Yeah, I think, in fact, they... So, I I think there's a good... There's a reasonable chance that he and Matthew sign extensions. Well, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... So, with I, that, yeah, this concludes Back to Excited as a as a as a franchise there, there's you know we're up there right with a uh, with fast and furious <laughs> which has probably also had 205 episodes at this point <laughs> yeah uh, you, 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 can, you can't see but fullman and i are actually driving a car over a cliff right now <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but yeah uh thank you to people who have who have listened you know we, we've kind of we've probably been a bit more navel gazy about this in the past few weeks than like is really warranted for a tiny leafs podcast <laughs> but um we've gotten you know a lot of comments from people who are expressing kind of like disappointment that we're ending um and you know i we do really appreciate the fact that people 
have cared about this podcast and then that it's you know brought some enjoyment into an otherwise pretty miserable experience of being a Leafs fan yeah um wow we did we got to recap one friggin series win yeah in six years but you know don't cry because it's over as mock as it happened yeah but it, it's it's been a lot of fun um I think yeah we'll, I, I don't think either of us expected it to be something as, as I don't think either of us expected 200 and something episodes no so. So, yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's listened, who's supported to us. us. Uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, a few people who hated us and our voices, but probably fewer than I would have expected, given the general tenor of the internet. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. We appreciate and, uh, it. Also, to the people who asked us insane mailbag questions. <laughs> <laughs> to the people who, like, uh, pointed out our terrible audio, and hopefully we tried to make it, like, a little bit better, like, 5% better. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we appreciate it a lot. Like it's, it is truly kind of, um, amazing to consider that, that people just care about a couple of like regular Leafs fans thoughts on, on, on this godforsaken team. Um, there's no shortage of other really great Leafs content out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly not, um, you know, there's, there's certainly no vacuum of, 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 of information and, and takes and reasonable people discussing the Leafs. There's also a lot of unreasonable people discussing the Leafs, but hopefully you can find find the, the ones that bring you uh, some joy and some insight. So, yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. This has been Back to Excited. We'll see you around. <laughs>